Ron Ananian. You know, there's an awful lot that changes in our industry. Every day something comes up and we all sit there and scratch our head and say, wow, I didn't know that. The Car Doctor. For as great as technology is, they had to redesign the accelerator pedal to accommodate the human being because we were having issues gauging where our foot was. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, come on in. Sit down. Ron and in the Car Doctor at your service at 855-560-9900. Call in now on the Car Doctor hotline, 855-560-9900. Let's talk about your car and its problem. While we still can, and you'll understand what I mean by that in a couple of minutes, I'm going to talk about that. More information, cardoctorshow.com. Of course, tune in, iHeart, iTunes.com, all places to go on podcast and take this radio show in various forms and, 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 and venues. And if you need me during the week, ron at cardoctorshow.com. What'd you do this week? I was busy in the shop. We were, we were jumping around and, and, and doing all kinds of things and, um, you know, I went and I saw the future this week. I know I've been talking about this a lot lately, but I, I, I did. I actually spoke to the future. The future of this industry, or one picture of how this industry will look, and I'm not just saying it from the perspective of the mechanic, I the mechanic, but as you the consumer, you the vehicle owner, you the American citizen and what rights you're going to have. And yeah, unfortunately, this show is going to get a little political, I think, in the coming years, because we're going to start talking about rights being taken away when you're not allowed to drive a car anymore and you can't afford to drive a car anymore and all the things that are going to occur because of technology. I was a guest and it was it was just such a pleasure to sit and listen to Sheila Andrews. Sheila Andrews, she's the director of government affairs for um, a, a company, the Auto Care Association out of Bethesda, Maryland. And Sheila spoke what was supposed to be a, a, a half-hour conversation for a good hour and 15 minutes and left the room spellbound as to what's coming down the pike. And we're going to get Sheila or we're going to be get some folks from Auto Care Association on the car doctor in the next couple of months because they're going to talk to us about the future and, and where the future in the automobile industry is going to go. And you just sat there mesmerized. Did you know, for example, let's play Did You Know. I like to play Did You Know. Did you know that a connected automobile, by that I mean a vehicle that you sit in and drive that has Stabilitrack, traction control, self-parking, the ability to park itself or parallel park itself, or how about self-correct, apply the brakes, you know, when you veer left and right, so that you don't move out of the lane, those cars, they call those connected cars. Did you know that when you do an alignment, a wheel alignment on those cars, and this is from my brothers in auto repair out there, did you know that you're going to be required to re-aim the cameras and the control systems and the sensors just like you re-aimed and aligned the car? Did you know that the cost for that wheel alignment equipment 
and we were talking about this in class, right now is about 70 grand. That's for the alignment machine. That's not the rack. That's the machine that you hook the car up to. Because you're also paying for software technology to talk to the manufacturer's computers to allow that machine to do the resets. Did you know that the government is also using the data it collects from cars? And in a way, it's tracking you. And maybe this is black helicopter conspiracy stuff, but boy, it sure makes sense that that's what they're doing. Because the cars have the ability to put out information such as, how fast were you going when you had the accident? How fast are you going in general? Are you, and maybe they're not spying on us yet, and I'm not suggesting they are, but it sure seems like we're headed in that direction. Remember what I said, the show's going to get a little political in the coming months. Did you know that the car has the ability to report back how many people are in the car, where they were sitting in relation to the driver? Of course, was your seatbelt put on? Of course, you know, how fast did you step on the brake? How fast were you going? What were the road conditions? What was the temperature? All the things that are going on inside, and they're collecting that data. Just like Google collects the data of where you go on a Google search and what you do, they're starting to do that with automobiles because data, data mining, as they call it from the automobile, is going to be the next place or source of potential revenue stream and income. Sheila left the room astounded. It was just absolutely, I won't say scary, but amazing. It was a peak at the future, and I got to see it. And when we were done, I went up and I introduced myself. Sheila had heard of us, and she's as excited as we are. We're going to be having her on, and we're going to try and get someone on from Motor Care Association. SEMA's in two weeks, and we'll probably be talking about that. We might have been making a surprise appearance. By the way, boys, I forgot to tell you, we might be going to see Vegas in two weeks. Um, I had an offer come through this week that we're considering, so uh, I just want to make sure you're aware. Okay, Tony, we taking bets on this or what? Yeah. Yes, let's go two for one. Yeah, two okay. for one. I'm telling you. Well, no, no two for one. All three of us are going. So and we'll take Danny, too. Oh, um, but I thought you, he was sending you and I. Oh, no, 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 no. I'll, I get to go, too, but that may happen. We'll be talking to them on Monday to see if uh, this is really going to happen. So there's a lot going on here on The Car Doctor, so be aware. Uh, and we talk about the future, and we're going to get to the phones in a quick second because I know they're backed up already. So if you get out to The Car Doctor Facebook page, Ron and Annie and The Car Doctor, take a look at that. There's a picture for all those doubters that say, oh, all this stuff is never going to happen. Well, in from our roving reporter out in Pittsburgh, PA, a picture of an Uber in a parking lot waiting for a pickup. I don't know. Would you get in that Uber? Would you sit there and say, uh-uh, not me, brother? Just something to think about and be aware of. So, But anyway, hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Let's get in a call before we pull over and take the pause. Let's go talk to Frank down in Florida with some comments and questions about restoring an older car. Frank, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Yeah, how are you doing, Ron? Good, sir. What's uh, going on? This is my uh, 59th car. Uh, my buddy and I in Pennsylvania are going to restore a 72 GTO 455 HO Ram Air. Okay. And we had a question for you. Should we put cruise control on it? It was made with cruise control way back when. Sure, why not? Why not? Okay. Why not? I just wanted to know. Why not have all the bells and whistles? All right? Well, you know, if if that's what it originally came with and that's Yeah, my friends did. 
and and that's the way the car was built or you know what i i think it would be here's the deal all right you go to a cruise night and this is just my way of thinking you go to a cruise night if it's a factory cruise control system and you pop the hood and somebody else will have a 455 ho you know there's always another one kicking around if you're the guy with oh, there the are a few, only 300 <laughs> if there's if it well but i'm talking you know lookalikes not necessarily original right. all right and, well, you can take any Le Mans and turn it into a GTO. It's sure. Easy. But my point is that if you're the guy with that rare option, it kind of turns people's head. As long as it's a factory-looking piece, I'm all for all right. it. So. Thank you. All right, sir. Now, the other thing is, yeah. is uh, I'm making a safety film down here for the kids that get injured in car accidents. Six kids a day throughout the country are dying in car accidents. It may sound strange per day. So we're trying to make a film that uh, makes kids aware and make better choices. I like that. And you know the major cause of the accidents. I mean, yeah. you, and it's in all the papers. Cell phones. Yeah. Distractions. Now, when when you're talking about kids in accidents, Frank, is it the kids in the cars or the kids walking on streets? Nope. Major, m- most across the country, it's kids in cars uh, for many different reasons, but 68% are, are distractions. Now, do you think that's the parents not teaching the kids properly or the kids have just got too much outside stimulus? I think I was a kid. I had my license ripped up by the Commissioner of Motor Vehicles in New York. <laughs> right. So uh, we were just, uh, beside testosterone, it's also, you know, I, I'm invincible. Right, right. So I don't they're think they're not, being told. Yeah. So, someone said this uh, to me the other they're day. They're old pilots and they're bold pilots, but they're no old, bold pilots. Right. Someone said this to me the other day. They said the reason that the um, uh, people drive like they do and the country's in the shape that it's in is because, and it was in reference to me, they said, Ron, you were raised by the World War II generation. This generation was raised by the Woodstock generation. I'm still thinking about that one, but it does kind of make sense, and some people think they're still at Woodstock. It's just a party. Um, Frank, I appreciate it. Some good comments, some good thoughts, and uh, you get a picture of that 72 H.O. Motor, when it's all done, when that car's all done, send them to us. We'll post them up on the Facebook page. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. back we're on the in the car doctor thank you announcer um yeah, he always does that he gets he gets my name right in there on time and then i just jump in right after him he's just my good buddy karen he's right on top of this let's get over and talk to jimmy california and uh, some questions about a yaris jimmy welcome to the car doctor sir ron and Indian at your service how can i help yeah hi ron um i um i had a problem with the uh cylinder head cylinder head gasket okay uh water was uh being blown into the radiator and not coming back, so I I used this uh, KW nanotechnology. It did work, so the the um, water we weren't losing water anymore, right? Wasn't going out, but uh, now the car runs normal, but the 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 coolant doesn't sort of return back to the to the engine block from the 
from the reservoir. It doesn't go back to the radiator. Okay. Um, it goes down. Let me make a couple of comments here. The K&W fiber lock, good stuff. Um, good stuff. We've used it in the shop. We don't. We we try not to use it. We try. We try to do maintenance on a vehicle so we never get to that point. You know, we try to take care of cooling systems so we don't have this issue. But uh, yeah, it is. It is good stuff, and we've been we've been nothing but happy with it. I, in the past four or five years, we've probably used it a half a dozen, eight times, and you know, it's it's always worked. It's always done well. Yes. So that being said, I just I say that because I don't want it to be a mark on the product. I don't think this is the product. I think there's something else here. So that yes. that that being said, what you're telling me is you can run the vehicle. The vehicle runs normally. Does the vehicle overheat or does it maintain its temperature? No, no more overheating. Okay, it, it runs normal. It's just that mm. after every three days, I have to to add some more coolant. I mean, transfer the coolant with a siphon back to the radiator from the the uh, reservoir. I, I draw coolant from the reservoir and then just return it to the radiator. Okay, so maybe have, you, have, have you checked the hose between the radiator overflow and the bottle itself? Yes, I've, I've checked it. Sort of uh, free. Nothing, okay. Ob- no obstruction. No obstruction. And is the bottle free and clear? Um. You know, that I, I haven't really checked because it's a lot of work to remove it. But I guess if that is a suspect, I, I'll do that. Well, yeah, I'm just I'm just wondering if any because if any of the fiber lock material got in that hose, then it yes. would then it would then it could go down and create a blockage between the radiator and the bottle. So I just would want to know, you know, if you pop the if you pop the hose off the end of the bottle, if you can get the hose off the end of the bottle. You know, does coolant does coolant drain out of there, or does water pass through there? Is it is it free and clear? That would be my first thought. My second thought is, have you replaced the radiator cap? Yes, I I tried the radiator cap, but you know, in this day and age, maybe I have to get a better or quality one. Where, where what, what what cap did you get? Um, I forgot. It was a Japanese made cap. Okay. Um, uh, but very it was very cheap, so it. For all I know, it might it might not have been a good one. Right. So um, that's it. The, the, what worries me is well, well, not really worries me. Sometimes it sucks it sucks it back. Right. But still short. Sometimes it doesn't suck it back. So I right. hope I hope you're right. It's just the radiator cap. So well, I would I would and one. and you know when I want to eliminate all possibility of of you know when I want to eliminate the guesswork about a part. You know, because you get what you pay for, right? I think we're both old enough we yeah. understand that today. And, yeah. you know, I'm going to go and look at a stand. Stand, to me, is the Cadillac, no pun intended, of, of, of radiator caps and cooling system components. We use them in the shop all the time. I've been turning wrenches 43 years, and, you know, stand's always been there, and they've always made a great product. It's it's funny, if you listen to this week's uh, stand commercial, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about this now, it talks about how the radiator cap works and and creates the vacuum and the siphons it back and forth in the reservoir and um it's it's almost like you know it's it's describing your problem and how it's not working so you know i would tell you it's it's between the bottle and the um and the cap i would think those are the first two places i would go you know i i can't see it being a result of the fiber lock material i would think there's a problem elsewhere um yeah. so i would you know or at the very I, least I'll, I'll do that 
I'll do that, and I'll let you know. Yeah, you know, at the very um, least, I would take that radiator cap off if someone has a pressure tester and pump yeah. it up and see, does it release at the rated pressure of the cap? You know, if the cap says 16 pounds, a pressure tester should pull it up to 16 pounds, and then it should dump and go to vacuum. And, you know, that's the whole idea. Uh-huh. And if it doesn't, then yeah. there's a problem in that cap. Yeah, I, I when I do remove it, uh, I hear a vacuum. Right. I hear a, you know, Right. Like that. Well, that means it's sealed, but that doesn't mean that the yeah. internal valving of the cap is working. Remember, remember right. what new stands for, Jimmy. You know, yeah. uh, right? Yeah. Right. You, you've been a long-term yeah. listener. I heard you laugh. You know what I'm going to tell you? New, never ever worked. So um, yeah. I would, I would start with a stant. I would check that cap. Get out to stant.com. You can read more about radiators and and, and cooling systems and uh, radiator caps. I mean, radiator caps are just so interesting in how they work that you could probably do a two-hour dissertation in it. Um, it's such a, it's such a simple but yet a complicated piece of machinery. It's got to be built to a very exact standard. All right, sir. Yep. Yes, sir. You're very Thank welcome. You. you take good care. Let's uh, let's let's just can we jump over and can we go to uh, Connecticut? Let's go over to Larry in Connecticut. Larry. Tra-la-la. Oh boy, sorry, Larry. They 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 put us up to that. Um, well, actually, Tom put me up to that. Um, so I understand you're having a birthday. Yeah, celebrating my fiftieth. Oh, happy birthday, dude! Um, Thanks. God Appreciate bless. it. So great. That's great. What can I do for you? What's the question? Well, I've got a '05 uh, uh, Volvo S40, right? And I'm getting a um, an engine light, and I hooked up my reader to it. That's coming up a uh, code. Uh, P zero one seven two. Okay, and, and that was a. Is this a lean tur- mix? Right. Is this a turbocharged motor? No, no, it's Non-turbo. a two point four i. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, there's a couple of things. You got a pencil, piece of paper. Yes. Okay. So uh, the first thing we want to do is we want to look at crankcase vacuum. All right. Um, they have issues with the oil trap under the intake manifold, and that goes bad. So, you know, if if I had a wish list in the mechanic or you're capable, I'd pull the dipstick and put a vacuum gauge on the tube, run the engine, and make sure that I don't have more than two inches of manifold vacuum pulling on that gauge. If I do, I've probably got a restricted oil trap under the intake. All right? Um, Then I want to go to fuel pressure. Fuel pressure spec is 55 PSI. I want to make sure it's correct. And I'll tell you what, Larry, stay where you are. We're going to return and talk about this a little bit further. Um, I don't want to rush this. I'm running eating the car, Doctor. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're running eating the car, Doctor. Let's go over and finish our conversation with Larry up in Connecticut. Larry, you're still there? Yes, I know you're rushing off your birthday. Let me um, let me let me finish this real quick. So the deal is, you've got a 172 on this Volvo, and we're talking about a, a fuel trim issue. Volvos have a habit of clogging the oil trap under the intake manifold. So you want to check manifold vacuum. It shouldn't be higher than two inches at idle. Okay. Um, okay. That being said, then if we have smoke, let's say it passes. All right. If if we have a smoke machine, I'd like to put smoke down the dipstick tube and see if I've got a leak at the back of the engine under the intake manifold. They've got this um, hole there for uh, a, a, with a rubber plug, and they've had issues where that pushes out and creates a vacuum leak. There's a bulletin from Volvo 
um, that talks about this, 221-0052, if memory serves me correct, and they talk about how the new plug is going to be a metal one and it looks like a freeze-out plug, that type of thing. All right? Um, okay. So just common sense stuff. Then then they talk about there's issues with the vacuum line going to the MAP sensor. Make sure it's not cracked. Make sure it's not leaking. And then you want to look at fuel pressure. Fuel pressure on this is 55 PSI. All right? If the fuel pressure is incorrect, you've probably got a bad fuel pressure sensor on the rail. And you need to go through checking that and testing that. Okay. All right? And then, last but not least, the mass airflow sensor on these cars are known to skew and go out of calibration. You you should see somewhere around 2.7 to 3.5 at idle and, you know, 110 max wide open throttle, calculated load, 100%. Um, and then keep in mind there is also a bulletin, not a bulletin, but there's a tech note, 28-48 and 49, I believe it is. It talks about updated software. So you always want to go and make sure the software is updated, especially on this particular okay. car they've got. So there's a bunch of things to go through here, all right? Okay. Um, at least yeah, it, at least it's it gives, a list. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty good list. They're, these are pretty common. Um, you know, it's I, I have found more than a few of the map lines being cracked as a cause of the problem, but, um, you know, it's it's you just got to go through it from start to finish, all right? Okay, will so, do. And listen, go out, go out and have a great birthday today, all right? Thanks, I appreciate it. Have right, a great kiddo. day. Thank you. Good luck. Goodbye, buddy. Let's go over and talk to Dennis in Westchester, New York. Dennis, you're on with the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Uh, yeah, I have a 2004 GMC Envoy XUV with the six-cylinder, uh, 4.2 liter. Okay. And I seem to be going through exhaust manifolds. Hmm. They seem to crack or burn through uh Towards the center, not too much, too, not too far above the uh, O2 sensors. Any ideas why? Mm. Uh, you know, I, uh, my original, my my GMC original probably lasted 140, 150 thousand miles, and uh, aftermarkets I put on since then. I, I'm I'm on my second one, right? And uh, it uh, I get about a ten, twelve thousand miles out of it, can, and can it I, seems to can crack I, or burn through. Can I tell you what my guess is? It was that yeah. it was that word you used. What was that word you just said? Began with an A. Um, aftermarket. That's right. That's what it was. Right. I would I would tell you it's probably the, the the cheaper aftermarket manifold. Was there a huge price difference between the original equipment piece and the aftermarket version? Mm, offhand, I can't say. Yeah. I, I I can't recall. You know, I went to the Dorman. Right. Right. I. You know, some of the Dorman stuff is great, and some of the Dorman stuff leaves me scratching my head saying why. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, if if they're close on price, I'll go with an OE part in an application like this just because it's going to be less of a headache. All right. Okay. Uh, now, let me ask you this question. Have you called Dorman and asked them? Have you made them aware? No. I, I That was going to be my next step yeah, uh, I would, because they're telling me, you know, it's uh, warranted and all this for limited lifetime, whatever the limit is. Right. Yeah, but how many times do we want to take this apart and how many times should right, we have to take this apart? I had a problem. Yeah. I had a problem with Dorman oh two years ago, and you know it's it's real easy to roast a company up on the national stage, and I, I try not to do that. I, I think of that as abuse of power. But I'll tell you this story because, like everything else, I say it's factual to the best of my knowledge, and I was there for this one. Um, Ford Taurus Sable has a, a washer nozzle hose 
comes out under the hood. You know, late models, 01s, 02s, 03s, old, old but not old enough. Um, the plastic rubber hose or the, the, the hard plastic hose that comes up off the washer bottle and connects to the washer nozzles at the hood. Dorman makes a, a replacement, and you put one on, and we'd get six, seven months out of it, and it would crack right in the elbow. And, okay, yeah, it's got a warranty, and it's a $15, $20 hose, whatever. And we'd get another one, and we'd put it on, and you know, we're like, why? All right? So we, we finally got a piece right out of Ford. The customer was able to wait because it was always a time issue. And turns out that the Ford piece is just a little bit thicker in the wall. It's formed a little bit better. It's just made a little bit nicer. You know what? We started using the Ford piece. The problem went away. So it just so happened that was the week, and I think I talked about this here on air uh, maybe a year, seven, eight months ago, that uh, we're, there was a mini trade show from one of our vendors that week, and I went to it, and Dorman was there, and I explained it all to them, and I was shocked. They said, gee, we haven't had any problems. Nobody's complained. And I was yeah. like, wow. Okay. So you know what? Uh, now the- Let's start complaining. Yeah, Let's start letting them know. Yeah, and the other thing is I have like a, it sounds like a valve tap at idle uh, when I, you know, depending which way the car is leaning. If it's if it's downhill, I, it may not develop, but at, at idle when you start up, uh, you'll get a little tap on the valve. But as soon as you start to accelerate, it seems to uh, disappear. Uh, but this has that uh, like a retarder uh, cam, cam or something cam in there. Yeah, but that... So, well, let me, you know, being being nose down or nose up better not have any bearing on whether or not that engine makes noise, because if it does, then I'm going to start thinking about the oil pump pickup in the in the pan, and is it restricted, or is it, you know, is there is there a sludge issue or a varnish issue? Um, yeah. You know, so, you know, have you, have you owned this since new? Dennis? From new. You know? From brand new. Always change the oil around anywhere between... Uh, three and four thousand miles. Okay, so we can make a safe assumption. It wouldn't hurt to pull the valve cap off, look inside the valve cover. What does it look like in there? How clean is it? Or look inside the uh, oil pan. Maybe take a bore scope, take a peek up there. The next time you got the drain plug out, and if we go mm-hmm. on the assumption that the pan is clean, then you know I'm going to start to think about. I'd have to hear the noise. Is it just normal sludge and varnish at 170 thousand miles? Um, you know, and that would be a concern. And then maybe. You know, we want to consider what oil filter we're putting on there. Could we have an oil filter on there that's got a poor drain back valve that's creating an issue? Um, right, right. Well, uh, most of the time I try to go with the Delcos. Right. Well, Delco should be, Del, a Delco filter should be a good filter. You may yeah. just, just for giggles, uh, try try a different brand, put a Wix on right. it. Right. You know, it can't hurt. Oh, okay. Put a Wix, put and, a, put a Wix uh, filter on, on it. And, the, any thoughts on the new Acadias? Yeah, positive, negative mm. on a GMC Acadius. Right. But I see they come out with a model that has this finky transmission uh, a thing where when you do the all-terrain uh, options on it, uh, you can put it in tow mode, you can put it in downhill mode. It's, you know, it's got like a little hinky thing there. I don't know if it's going to be a problem down well, there, but I was curious. I might look into a new Acadia. You know, I think right now, if I was looking for an SUV or something of that that category, I unless I was, you know, absolutely violently opposed, I'd probably avoid the GM stuff right now just because of some of their electronics. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent convinced. And, and you know, just so this isn't just, you know, this isn't just opinion, Dennis. When I talk to my, when I talk to the guys I know that are the dealer techs that are seeing it all day long. When the dealer techs are telling me they wouldn't drive a GM product right now, that sort of tells me something. 
you know, mm-hmm. it's it's you know, General Motors is going through some changes in their engineering well, issues. And I, I had a, a 2014 Lacrosse that uh, the instrument panel would go blank going down Interstate 95 at 65 miles an hour, and it was like you restarted the car, right. and and GM couldn't figure it out for the life of them. Right. And, and I, finally, I just got rid of the car. Yeah, it's it's. You know, it's sad that to say. That was 2014. And, and listen, if you're a long-term listener, I'm a GM guy. I was a GM kid. I um, yeah. I, I keep saying what happened to my car company. I think they kind of lost their way. But, um, yeah. you know, I'd be looking at a Ford. I'd be looking at a Toyota and see if I could find something mm-hmm. in that uh, find something in yeah, that category. Yeah. Okay, right, sir? thank you very much, you're very Ron, welcome. and uh, appreciate all the info. You're very welcome, Dennis. You take good care. Um, you know, and I didn't even touch on it with Dennis, but then I guess my other question is, any check engine light on, any lean fuel mixture, is the manifold discolored? But I'd be willing to bet that it's not made or welded properly where the headers come together, and that's why it's leaking. So let them call Dorman. Let's beat them up and uh, see if they make it right. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anini, The Car Doctor, and I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron Manini, the car doctor. Um, let's do a quick piece of email here. Hey, Ron, this one comes to us from Ray. Hey, Ron, I'd like your recommendation for tires for a 2004 four-wheel drive Explorer. Uh, what does he say? Uh, great show. Listen all the time. I'm considering Michelin's, but I wanted to get your thoughts, Ray. Um, Ray, listen, uh, Michelin, great tire. Uh, let me say it like this. When we start talking about tires down in the shop, I always try to sell a, a a good, better, best scenario, all right? And I also look at dollars. It, it, it comes down to dollars. Michelin's a good tire. They're the most expensive tire. Are they the right bang for the buck? Are you going to get the most bang for your buck? And that's always a concern. You know, when I start to price Michelin's against Michelin against the general, for example, all right, I will we'll usually find that that Michelin is a third more in terms of total cost. And when you start to price that out, four tires, a set of four tires, you know, side by side, if the generals are a third less, you'll find that you can buy one tire for the price of that set of four Michelins. That's, you know, you start looking at dollars, it's got to make sense. And for me, unless I'm looking for something very specific, uh, you know, I've gotten away from Michelin of late and steered more towards the generals and giving people a good ride, a safe ride, and getting you know comparable tread wear, and that's there. In some cases, better tread wear, because Michelins don't really wear like they used to. Michelin is not the tire that it once was, in my eyes. And a lot of bang for the buck, because it's about bang for the buck today, especially in a tough economy. You can read more about the generals at generaltire.com. Let me comment on that. Second thing I want to talk about. The class we went to uh, this past week, and I, I didn't mention this in the open because we were we were rushing right along. Um, I wanted to bring this up. It was an interesting conversation. One of the other things we talked about this week in class was liability of somebody brings us parts and asks us to install them. Can't do it. Here's why. Somebody buys brake parts off the Internet or anything off the Internet, and they bring them to a repair shop and they install them. And if you're a repair shop, you should really listen to this. 
If you install parts that somebody brings into your shop and those parts fail, somebody's hurt, injured, damaged, killed, okay, you're liable. It doesn't matter if you are putting down customer-supplied parts, no warranty, no liability, etc. At least in New Jersey, because we're in New Jersey and that was the conversation, there is a New Jersey Warranty Act that prohibits repair shops from saying that. They're actually breaking the law by doing so, something I wasn't aware of. And there's conversation that this is similar around the country, that it really comes down to you put on those parts, that car has an accident, that car has a failure, you're liable for that issue, and you're going to have to make good on it whether you want to or not. So just um, really kind of turned my head. And I can tell you why. You know what? Let me pull over. I'll take the pause. I'll tell you why you're liable when I return. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming back. Don't go away. Welcome back. Ron and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900 is the phone number. I should point out, and I always do point out, but let me point out again that the 855-560-9900 is 24-7. You can call, leave a message. If we're not on the air, we are live out on the network Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. But you can call 855-560-9900, leave a message, and we will call you back and put you in the lineup for the following week's show. And uh, keep in mind, too, if you're podcasting or listening in, you know, uh, on an affiliate out-of-network or on the network that we're out of the live time zone, you can call the 855-560-9900 phone number, 2 to 4 p.m. Saturdays Eastern Time, and we are here in studio. And you can talk to us, and we'll put you up on the air and talk to you about your car problems, so keep that in mind. Um, liability. I want to talk about this real quick. So somebody walks in, they bring you a set of brake pads and rotors that they bought off the Internet. And it's not that they're made in China, because everything's made in China today, all right? The problem is if those parts go bad and there's an accident or, or somebody gets hurt um, or worse, the problem is there's no one to sue. You can't go to China and sue somebody, all right? It doesn't work like that. So what the lawyers look for and the way society works and the way the insurance companies look for, they look for the next guy in the food chain. If you're the repair shop, you know what? You're the first and the only guy. So they're going to come and sue you, and if your insurance doesn't cover it, you've got a legal issue. I'm no lawyer, but that's the way it was explained to us. Bottom line, what they told us is when you buy parts from your local parts house, yeah, you might be paying a little bit more, but you're also paying for the fact that when the insurance company comes down and says, well, let's see, the brakes failed, was it Billy Bob's Auto Repair or was it Billy Bob's Parts Store? They're going to go to Billy Bob's parts store because he's got the relationship with the manufacturer, and the manufacturer is going to have the product liability insurance that's going to make the that's going to make the side that's suing happy and be able to pay off the claim. So um, uh, there, there's a real big risk when repair shops install customer supplied parts, and I think the day for that is it's it's coming under the spotlight now because a lot of people are having issues with it. That um, I, I think you're going to see that maybe go away or change in the way that it's um it's it's being done hey coming up next hour uh by the way it's that time of year again apex 
The uh, SEMA Apex Trade Show is right around the corner. We're going to be welcoming back Tim McDonald from Mitchell One. Tim's going to be stopping by. I got some questions for him about Pro Demand, their um, tech society, their 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 tech um, information, and how they uh, create that, and also what's new in the world of Mitchell and what they're going to see at the trade show. And uh, we've got a great email about performance um, for the folks over at Diablo Sport. We're trying to get a hold of somebody there. But till then, I'm Ron Anini, the car doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. We'll be right back. 